0: and load this is steve dace the
1: steve day show
2: and greetings happy thursday thanks for tuning in here today on the steve day show that would be me todd and aaron are here as well let us know what you think about what we think 888 is the number to the steve day show you can like us on facebook but you're gonna to need to like us there a lot um, in fact, we'll have an update on our like numbers at Facebook coming up a little bit later on. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Email the program, steve at com. And if you are listening today via Blaze Radio or on the podcast, the last name is spelled D E A. C E, And if you are listening to the podcast today, please, if you have a few minutes to leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, it would be appreciated as it is appreciated for the thousands of you that have honored our request to do this already. Coming up uh, here at the bottom of the hour... Billy Hallowell from Pure Flix is going to join us. We're going to take a look at the impact the movie Unplanned has had and continues to have. And then uh, they've got another film that uh, Billy is involved uh, in producing coming out uh, soon. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, The aftermath of one of the worst massacres in American history. We'll be talking about that with Billy later on in the show. And then next hour... Uh, we're going to begin a three-week Easter series on uh, for theology Thursday, and uh, and and the first part here is we're going to kind of set the mood of where we are at culturally, and we're going to take one of the best-known stories of the New Testament, but give it a broader cultural application, maybe we haven't considered but should given uh, the era in which we live. So we're going to be doing that and more coming up here a little bit later on. But first, as always, we've got to get updated on what happened
1: while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Grab'em by the Personal Space. I've
0: never thought of politics as cold and antiseptic. I, I've always thought of about connecting with people. and I said, shaking hands, uh, hands on the shoulder, a hug, uh, encouragement, and Now, and now, it's all about taking selfies together. Uh, You know, social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset.
1: And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. Behold, Louis, friend of leftists. God
2: so loved his people that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever
0: believed in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God does not love this world. God never sent Jesus
2: to die for this world. That's
0: right.
2: That's right. Jesus died because he was 2,000 years
0: too soon to bring about the end of the
1: civilization of the Jews. Fads, we should have left in 2018. I present to you Stacy Abrams.
3: We had this little election back in 2018. And despite the final tally and the inauguration and the situation we find ourselves in, I do have one very affirmative statement to make.
1: We won. And now I know we don't discuss anonymous reports or stories about anonymous reports. But here's one. The Washington Post and the New York Times are reporting anonymous sources, supposedly from within Mueller's special counsel, saying they're upset with the summary report of the Mueller investigation released by Attorney General Barr. They say there's far more damaging information than the summary report let on about potential obstruction evidence against Trump. Now, I don't know what a good take on this. I sure as heck can tell you what a bad one is. Any version of, we went two years without a leak from the special counsel, and now this, it must be really serious, that's a bad take. Remember that one time ABC News' Brian Ross had a huge scoop related to the Mueller investigation that crashed the stock market for an afternoon? Yeah, those were fun times. Forbes magazine headline, what if toxic masculinity is the reason for climate change? Florida Representative Matt Gates, yes, the same one who sent this tweet trying to intimidate Michael Cohen before his congressional testimony, is now kowtowing the leftist climate alarmists by introducing a so-called Green Real Deal. Trump tweets, the Republican Party is the party of the American dream. According to Rasmussen and reported by Alexandra DeSantis of a National Review, 11% of voters believe it's immoral to have children, quote, given the state of the world today, end quote, that rises to 20% among voters under the age of 35. ACLU tweets, girls who are trans are girls, period. And finally, Titania McGrath tweets, for too long, males have felt entitled to gaze upon the female form with impunity. This is so empowering. Apologies to our podcast audience. You just have to see the video we're watching. And that's what happened Well, we were away. Aaron's montage
2: today brought to you by the remedy for your failed New Year's resolution to get healthier. It's called Riduzone. As we get older, our bodies just uh, don't stoke the metabolism the way they did when we were younger. That's why you want to check out this product called Riduzone. It is not a stimulant. There aren't 15 ingredients when you turn over the bottle. Instead, there's like four, and one of them's rice. Okay. Uh, one of the other uh, main ingredients of rijuzone is called OEA, and this is one of the main substances uh, that we find in olive oil. Our bodies produce a lot of OEA, just not nearly as much uh, when we get older as that did when we were younger. And and that's something we need because uh, the hardest thing when you've been unhealthy for a long time is to is to regulate your metabolic rate. On one hand, to get it going, to turn your body back into a fuel and fat burning machine, and then the other is. To teach your body, uh, hey, I'm done. I'm 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 satiated. I don't have to keep eating. I'm not hungry anymore. And that's where Riduzone comes in with OEA. Now you can get this OEA. Just go grab a bottle of olive oil, you know, off a supermarket shelf. Pay for it first, and then drink the whole thing. You might think that's a little intense. How about just doing one capsule of Riduzone? instead. And right now, you can get 30% off a 3-month supply if you use promo code Steve when you go to riduzone.com. That's r i d u z o n e. r i d u z o n e. riduzone.com promo code Steve. All right, let's get to the information in Aaron's montage today. I want to start uh and I want to make sure this clarification is put out there. I'm the one that told Aaron to put Um, the Washington Post, New York Times stories with anonymous sources uh, in his montage. Because some of you are probably like, I thought you guys didn't comment on or acknowledge anonymous sto- st- stories. We don't. But what I've run into today is since it's been a while since we've encountered this, particularly in the uh, two weeks since the uh, bar letter, uh, bar letter summarizing the Mueller report was released, uh, some people need to be reminded of this, all right? So because of stories like the fake scoop that uh, from Brian Ross at ABC, there have been multiple that Aaron cited in his montage. There have been multiple retractions from CNN, All right. We just don't acknowledge uh, or analyze anonymous sourced stories from or about this White House because there's just been too much inaccurate, if not flat out false information on both ends of that equation uh, over the last few years. So we just don't. Okay. Uh, the reason I tweeted out the Byron York Washington Examiner story on the inner workings between uh, Trump and the Mueller probe today is because it's not an anonymous-based story. It's actually not even a story. Uh, it's an interview with John Dowd, one of the president's attorneys, going on the record about what transpired there. Is it possible John Dowd is lying? Well, does this show still believe in total depravity, gentlemen? It does indeed. It, it does indeed. I yeah, so... Who would speak up to tell us if John Dowd's uh, characterization of the inner workings, the cooperative inner workings between the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency and the Mueller probe, who would be qualified to speak up and say John Dowd is lying about that? Who who would be on the other end of those conversations, do you think, that could speak up and say that's not true? Who would it be? I mean, who are they talking to? Mueller. Mueller. So who is the only person who could speak up and address whether those things were
1: untrue? the guy anonymous people on Twitter, I guess. I don't know.
2: Yeah. It would be Bob Mueller. Similarly. Um, if, if attorney general Barr has misrepresented the bottom line findings of the Mueller probe, who is uniquely qualified to speak up and say so
0: the guy who spent the last two years of his life digging through all this mess.
2: Yeah. That would be Mr. Mueller. Yeah. It's been two weeks now, two and a half weeks, actually. Um, what has or no a week and a half i should say it's been a week and a half since the report was released has mr moeller spoken up no no have any of the investigators gone on the record no is it possible some of these investigators believe what is alleged in these anonymous source stories today sure it's possible but if they don't speak up then uh then they're every bit the fiends that they want you to believe Donald Trump is, okay? Because if Donald Trump is what some of you believe he is, and these men were given a charge to do something about it and to prove it and to look into it, and the best they can do a week and a half after the report is, is an anonymous uh, lament of wines to the New York Times and Washington Post, do better. See, one of the reasons I'm good at this job isn't because... um I am smarter than all of you. It's because I'm really good at pointing out where your arguments are dumb and finding the weak spot to them. Some of you are behaving as if you believe more in the credibility of Mueller's probe than Bob Mueller does. I don't know Bill Barr. I don't trust Bill Barr. And Bill Barr is a bushy, okay? So here's the thing. For for your belief system that Bill Barr has hatcheted Robert Mueller's report for this bottom line uh, fact-finding letter that he put out a week and a half ago. For Here's what needs to be true, okay? Like, you know, f- um, facts don't determine, or we don't change facts based on what the conclusion of believing them is. We don't do that. But the worthiness of your facts... Can be deter or your claim of being factual can be determined on the basis of what the conclusion of believing them are. <laughs> right? For example, for you to believe, here's what needs to be true. Here are all the things that have to be true for for it to be also true that Attorney General Bob Barr has hatcheted up his 30-year friend Robert Mueller's report. His church going friend nowadays. okay? They go to the same church. They've been in part of the same circles, bushy political circles, Reagan political circles, Department of Justice political circles since before my producer Aaron was born. So for for this to be true now, that Bob Barr, bushy, hatcheted Robert Mueller's report to protect Donald Trump, here's a few things that need to be true. Number one, you have to believe that lifelong Bushy Bob Barr. I mean, the Bushes have blamed Donald Trump for members of their family having heart attacks. They have blamed Donald Trump for literally everything. So you, number one, have to believe one of the most loyal Bushies of them all has decided that he is going to fall on the sword at the end of his career for Donald Trump and wreck his credibility knowing that the Democrats control the House, could subpoena said report, and knowing what what Democratic congressmen like Swellwell and Schiff are capable of doing in terms of leaks, lies, and everything else. You have to believe Mr. Barr, lifelong Bushy, and the Bushies hate Trump. Essentially, what's left of the Never Trump movement are people are Bush family loyalists. That's essentially what's left of it. So you, number one, have to believe that that lifelong Bush Bushy loyalist has decided to stab his longtime friend and contemporary and fellow churchgoer Robert Mueller in the back and to do it in full view, dumb enough with the Democrats in the House having full subpoena power to bring his nefariousness to light with a willingness to leak constantly to friendly media waiting for said leaks from people like Swalwell and Adam Schiff. That's the first thing you have to believe. I mean, that could be true. Could that be true? Have we seen a lot of dumb sitting here for the last few years? Have we seen our share of dumb?
0: It could be, but it's more likely that Mueller wrote the four-page report himself as a summary. Yes. And just said here, here, friend. I'll take uh, yeah. this off your plate.
2: We have done a lot of dumb. We have presided over a lot of dumb on this show. That would be maybe the dumbest of the dumb of the
1: yeah. dumbest. Yeah, Bill okay. Clinton called and just wants to let you know that uh, could is still not the definition of is. Just so you know,
2: here's something else you'll have to believe. You will have to believe that Robert Mueller has just said silent for the last week and a half. Wall, his longtime friend, peer, fellow churchgoer, Bob Barr, has Bill hatcheted up—what has, has up. was that? Bill Barr. I think Bill Barr. Yeah. Did I say Bob Barr? Thank you. Uh, has hatcheted up his report all of this time. He's just said not a word, nothing. Nothing. So choose one. Choose one. Robert Mueller's a hero whose report is being bastardized by Mr. Barr— And yet Robert Mueller remains silent while his report is being... Would a hero remain silent while his report is being bastardized in such a way? Nope. Not to mention, what possible backlash is left for Robert Mueller for speaking out? What name has he not been called? What accusation has not been made? We've even had had, uh, MAGA versions of Jussie Smollett... Make womanizing accusations about, about, about uh, Robert Mueller. What, what blowback could he... F- he can't be fired now. He can't be defunded. He shut his operation down. There is, there is no reason why he would not speak out. None. There's no ongoing investigations, no, no indictments at risk. There is no future court proceedings that would be endangered by Mr. Mueller speaking out about Mr. Barr's bastardization of his report. None. So then you are, you have to believe that. You have to believe you care more about the integrity of Robert Mueller's report than he does. You have to believe that, therefore, then too. So it really just comes down uh, hey, I, I'm fine if the Democrats subpoena the report. I, I think the whole thing ought to be publicized. And we said. The day after Mr. Barr's letter was released, we said it right here on these airwaves that if when the full report comes out, if it turns out Mr. Barr did a hatchet job, we will address it then. But here but but we just shared with you the things you're going to have to believe to buy into this notion that what the Washington Times and the, or the Washington Post and the New York Times are reporting today is true for you to accept this, and we have no way of checking the credibility of their reporting because it's anonymous sources. So all we can go by is the credibility of those claiming they have said anonymous sources. Well, if, if their record of lack of credibility up until this point on these matters, if it doesn't do it enough for you, then how do you answer the questions and the points that I just made? All of those things. Because now I can add my final point. You have to believe, not just in the previous two things I just told you, but then you have to believe in the credibility of the New York Times and the Washington Post. All of those, and, and by the way, all of them must be simultaneously true. All at the same time. You can't take one out. They can't. They can't be two for three, meatloaf. Two out of three is bad. All three for you to believe that Mr. Barr has hatcheted Robert Mueller's report. You have to believe all three of those things simultaneously. To recap, you must believe a lifelong bushy, and and literally there are people that work at CNN who don't hate Trump as much as the Bushes do. You have to believe a lifelong bushy like Attorney General Barr at the end of his career in full view of the public with a weaponized Democratic House that could subpoena this report and then just leak all of its uh, materials that have even been redacted to the media because it's not like we haven't seen a record of that, right? We've got Democrats, we didn't know their names three years ago until they became leakocracies, human stands. all right? So you have to believe a That lifelong bushy Mr. Barr has turned on said Bushies and will fall on his sword for Donald Trump, but not just will fall on his sword for the Trump the Bushies hate, but will do so in full view of the public with a weaponized majority Democratic House with the full subpoena power and willingness to pull his pants down and expose his nakedness and his foolishness and his lies on 75 networks waiting for said information. You have to believe that. You have to believe that number two, you have to believe that you care more about the credibility of Robert Mueller's report than he does. Cause he's not said a damn word on the record this whole time. You have to believe that number three, then you have to believe the credibility of the anonymous sources of the New York times and the Washington post. Some of you may be willing to believe all three of those things simultaneously with literally no proof whatsoever. And then you want to argue with me about Easter? Seems implausible to you that a tomb is empty and hundreds of witnesses saw a dead man who is now alive. And the fact that those who have testified to the truth of this event have been responsible for more change in this world than any other event in human history. You won't buy that. You won't believe that. But you will believe simultaneously all three of the but crackian notions required to believe this. Okay. I don't know what else to tell you then. I'm sorry that you just need to hate Trump for something else other than all the other reasons he's probably given you legitimately to dislike him. You let Donald Trump wreck you. And that's a you problem, not his. Speaking of problems, let's go to Joe Biden next. It seems pretty clear to me that the, that that uh, the left's trying to end him, and I don't I don't say that on the basis of the credibility of the allegations because we have no way of knowing that we don't know, you know. But the timing of them, particularly what happened about five minutes after Uncle Joe put that video out that uh, Aaron put uh, in his montage. He put that video out yesterday afternoon. And about five minutes later, we've got three other women accusing him of creepy behavior. So we we just ran down all the fantastical things you will have to believe to buy this. Uh, bar is uh, uh, hatching, or hatch, hatching uh, the Mueller report to shreds uh, in order to serve Trump. All the things you've got to believe to buy into that, right? Okay. Well, here then, you have to believe they just so happened to find these three women within minutes after Uncle Joe putting out his attempt, and you can judge whether you buy it or not, his attempt to sincerely address his repeated and documented violations of the personal spaces of others. Todd, you and I have worked in newsrooms. That, that would be some incredible reporting to just have those three right, women. Thomas. I'm Really, true. I mean, just to have, and I bet they just called on their own too, don't you think? In Fact, they they probably just happened to you know see that trending on their phones on on their social media accounts. All three of those women did. They saw that video from Uncle Joe, and they said, "This cannot stand." I mean, someone's got to do something about this. And they all just managed to come forward at the exact same time within minutes of that video coming forth. I, you know, applaud them for their diligence, right?
0: I say journalism is magical and not at all broken for a reason, Steve. You're seeing the magic.
2: Yeah, this is how the magic happens. Yeah. Now they all, I don't know what's true. I don't know how we would know, you know,
0: isn't there one thing that's true about all this? Joe Biden deserves this because he has been part and parcel of carrying water for this party's attack on the fundamental institutions of this country, its core character for a long, long time, even though he's not inherently woke. He's not, but he's been going along and going along. He could have put his line in the sand anytime he wanted to. And he didn't He just folksy Joe and letting it get more and more progressive. This is, this is on him. He created this monster, this Frankenstein's monster as much as anybody. And Mm. now it is crushing him.
2: So lot, the mob outside of Lot's house is, is sitting there. He's the neighbor. And he doesn't like Mr. Lot a little too traditionalist for him. Right. Um, and so he's, he's, he's handing uh kerosene and fuel to the mob outside of Lot's house to keep them going. Right. Yeah. What happens when they get done burning down Lot's house and they migrate over to his, uh, his side of the street. Is that hey, what you're saying hey, is going hey on right now? <laughs> hey neighbor, Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> right. Yeah, and now they're saying like, "Hey, whoa, hold on! This—that's not how uh, how any of this works over here. You're supposed to and take uh, Brett Kavanaugh and uh, smear him and end his way of life to the point that he can't even coach his daughter's youth uh, sports teams anymore because you've so effectively scarlet lettered him. You're not—you're not supposed to burn my house down. Exactly. And you think that's exactly what's happening here?
0: Yeah, we just it, there was a story about um, but but Buttigieg. Is that how you say I it? I don't know yep. how the name but is. Pronounced. There was a story, I th-
2: and I'm afraid if I try to pronounce it wrong, I'm gonna get banned from social media. So I just don't even address him by name. That one but guy.
0: I think it was in Slate, and the the gist of the story was yeah. So what? He's gay, but he's still just a white dude. So that's not good enough. I mean, really, this is what we're seeing. That guy. The intersectionality, which which Aaron, to his great credit, has been riffing on for uh, longer than uh, both you and I, is mm-hmm. is just consuming people.
2: So, you know, on our show, we don't believe in lowering our standards to defeat the lower standard. Thank, we don't believe in that.
0: Thank God. Right?
2: Um, and, and Because toxic rain times toxic rain is just more toxic rain. Zero times zero is zero. But— We don't believe in lowering our standards in order to defeat the lower standard because what the lower standard really wants is no standard. So they're fine if you lower your standards to beat them because they're just iconoclast. They're, They're a contagion trying to deconstruct your way of life. And if you want to help them do it from the other side of the street, they're totally fine with it, okay? But we are totally okay. With allowing people to be hung and hoisted from their own petards, to be held accountable to the standard they would like to impose on everybody else, right? It's like that scene at the beginning of Aquaman. When, uh, uh, who would become black man and his father? They're pirates and they've murdered all these innocent people at the beginning of the movie. And Aquaman opens up a can on them. And this superstructure falls on on black man his father and he can't get from out from underneath. And they're and they have the unmitigated goal to turn to Aquaman and say, um, hey, you know, save us. We can't save ourselves. And he's like, You did this to, you did this to yourselves. Meaning, he's not he's not practicing, you know, judge, jury, and executioner justice. He's not out there, you know, inflicting capital punishment on his own. But you know these guys are in this predicament because they did this to themselves. So, you know, he's like I'm going to go save the innocent people on the uh, on the deck above here. Um because every innocent person or every every minute I spend saving your sorry ass based on what you did to yourself is is time that I can't spend uh, saving the innocent people on the deck above. Is that kind of what I hear you saying here a little bit?
0: Exactly what I'm saying.
2: What do you think about that, Aaron? Because I'm like I, I prayed about it, and I feel real good about where I'm at right now with that. Yeah. I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as you feel good, that's I mean, that's that's exactly. the most important yes. part of all of this as well. But you know, um, I, I I'm interested to see. We've we've talked about this in passing before. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they will do to to, to Tim Ryan. You know, because he seems like one of the actually. Uh, one of the old uh, Democrats who's, um, you know, kind of middle of the road or at least by today's standards, middle of the road, um, ex-NFL player, if yep. I'm not correct, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's he's uh, apparently running for president now. So it'll be fun to see what they do to that white, dude, white straight dude as well.
2: Hey, do you have itchy ears, that plugged-up feeling, uh, ear pain? Maybe you're constantly asking people to repeat themselves. Allergy season uh, is upon us with spring here as well. If any of these problems sound familiar to you, you could be like millions of Americans forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning. But what if I told you you can now get the same professional results but in the comfort and convenience of your own home and, and without a prescription to boot? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not, because it's called WaxRx. It uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes that ear with a pH-conditioned formula. Try it risk-free today. Use WaxRx.com as the website. Use WaxRx.com and use offer code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Use WaxRx.com, offer code RADIO for at checkout for free shipping. More here on The Blaze. Hey, late last year, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office uh, released a grand jury report noting that uh, law enforcement there had received upwards of uh, 2,000 complaints of deed fraud, Uh, and almost all of them involved a faulty notarization, meaning somebody trying to forge their way onto a home that doesn't belong to them. You know, this sounds familiar because it's the... It's the living embodiment of the home title fraud we've been warning you about on this show for months now. Uh, The grand jury there in Manhattan even called it an epidemic. Uh, Scammers are looking for vulnerable properties. They're scanning the obits, pouring through public records. Uh, And it can take as little as a forged deed to transfer ownership of your home. And once that happens, it's extremely difficult to reverse. This puts the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have, their own home. This puts it at risk. Don't let that happen to you, especially when for just pennies a day, it won't, courtesy of our friends at Home Title Lock. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage. You can go to hometitlelock.com to learn more but also to register your home to learn if its title has already been targeted, maybe even stolen already. HomeTitleLock.com, the title scan and report is free for our Blaze audience and family. Normally, that's a $100 value. Take advantage of it today for free at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. I was uh, talking uh, with Chris Jones, one of the producers of the unplanned film, Uh, Two days ago, uh, him and his wife were actually in Paris at uh, the World Congress on the Family uh, more than a dozen nations represented there. And they did a screening of Unplanned uh, for the the uh, the family pro-family leaders from across the globe there. And he was telling me the reaction they got was enthusiastic. Uh, all of them uh, pledged to help uh, open their countries up uh, as global markets for the movie. Uh, the studio that's responsible for distributing the Unplanned film, Pure Flix, Billy Halliwell works there. He's an old friend of the show and of The Blaze. And he joins us here today uh, on the program. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, You guys, uh, and this is a film project that you're involved in about 20 years after Columbine. We're going to discuss that here a little bit later on in the conversation as well. But uh, let's start off with the impact of Unplanned. And it, you know it was fascinating to watch. You know when you within the pro life circles of the conservative movement, this movie was already getting a lot of uh, promotion. I thought and a lot of assistance going into its opening weekend. But when it's when when Twitter and social media started jacking with it, the next layer of conservative media that would just as soon not fight our silly little culture war issues and uh, and stick to uh, the regulatory state and what the current uh, top marginal tax rate in the country is. Suddenly this movie. they they either weren't aware of or didn't care about suddenly they they were very in tune to what was going on with Unplanned I don't know if if y'all at Pure Flakes ought to send Jack Dorsey at Twitter a residual check (laughs) because he's going to be responsible for some of the gate of this movie going up in week two Billy am I wrong?
3: No, well, it's crazy. I talked to Abby Johnson um, earlier uh, yesterday, and she told me, you know, she's like, "Look, thanks Twitter," and she laughed. She just said, "It's funny because," and for me, I know Sunday night after the suspension, after they reinstated the Twitter account, I was, you know, I was working out. I'm looking at my phone, and I'm realizing that the account only has 90 followers mm-hmm. for the movie for mm-hmm. Unplanned, and I'm thinking something's wrong. This must be an imposter account. I must have pulled up the wrong account. So I'm looking. And I'm like, no, this is the account. Where did all the followers go? You know, there were thousands of followers on that account. And it's just crazy. It was like watching it almost. I've never seen this happen with a Twitter account in my life. It started ticking up and the numbers would change. And then it all of a sudden, I'm not following the account anymore. I'm unfollowed from it. Um, so, really strange stuff going on on social media. And at the end of the day, what makes me laugh is, I, you know, as a Christian, I always say if there's a message that God wants to get out there, he's going to find a way to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And what you saw happen was the account on Twitter swelled from 8,000. Followers on Saturday morning, I think it was, to over 344,000 followers as of right now. And so, and it continues to gain attention because of the stories and because of all those weird activities that were going on on social. So, absolutely, I think to a degree, you have a situation where you could almost thank all of that chaos uh, for bringing the attention.
2: Joseph once more turns to his brothers and says, What you meant for evil. God used for good. If you'd not sold me into slavery, I wouldn't have been here to deliver all of you from this great famine, right? That's that's kind of a modern uh, anecdotal take on uh, an old familiar story. We've watched it play out with this movie. I, I, I have gotten a slew, and I'm sure you have too, but I've gotten a slew of emails from people, uh, a lot from women, sharing their own stories about uh, shames that they hid for many years, uh, the lies they believed, uh, watching the scenes of of Abby enduring, you know, days and weeks of bleeding, and remembering when this happened to them as well, when they kind of fell for the lies and the canards, and uh, the the way that this movie is is both convicting but providing the relief that comes with mercy and grace and redemption at the same time. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest testimonies to how good this movie is. And another I got, Billy was from a young couple who said, you know, we've gone to the March for life together every year and kind of felt like this whole pro-life thing was getting commercialized and it wasn't really having an impact. And we were like, what's the point of doing this anymore? We've kind of heard it all. Are we, I, I'm getting, I'm doubting that we're serious about actually ending this. And they went and saw this movie and it kind of renewed their vigor and commitment to the cause Have have Those mirror any of the reactions you have been receiving as well?
3: It, yes, absolutely, and I've told people that there's something in you that almost gets revitalized or renewed or gets sparked when you watch this movie. It's very rare for a film to actually move you to action or change a perspective that you have. And I would challenge everybody: if you're pro-choice, go. There's no no fear in going to see this. Go and see it. If you think it's ridiculous, if you think it's silly, like Samantha B. and others are saying, and I'm sure she hasn't seen it. Um, if you want to dismiss it, well, go and see it because it's a really well done film. It's a great movie, but it's a real Story, and I think the power in Unplanned is that what it does is it forces us all out of the pro-life and pro-choice language that we use, just (laughs) like that couple you were mentioning. It forces us to actually confront, not in some silly dialogue or debate, but to actually confront what abortion is. And we see it, we're confronted with it. And I know that Planned Parenthood and others are saying, oh, it's filled with untruths. And I mean, there's nothing in it that's untrue. It's completely the story that Abby went through in her life, but also it's the reality. And once that reality hits you, you know, abby told me um, on the pureflix podcast yesterday she said listen i have seen so many people come to me and say i went into that theater pro-choice i went in there and i left pro-life i mean that's the power and i'm not over you know emphasizing that it's absolutely true that's the power this film has
2: see i think i, I think pro-choice people are really the target for this movie because you know one of the things we've talked on our show to our audience about in recent years is you know Drawing more distinctions, painting less with broad brushes. And, you know, I even said yesterday, I don't believe, speaking of painting with broad brushes, I don't believe there are any pro-choice groups. I think there's pro-abort groups, and I think we need to draw a distinction between who's pro-choice, meaning they themselves couldn't see them putting themselves through an abortion, or maybe they did. But they wouldn't want to do it again. They're not sure that what they that they should be dictating to another woman who's in that situation what to do. And then there's people who really are you know uh, they're modern day malekians. I mean they're in the they're on the death cult. They're into it. Well,
3: can and, I I want to add something to what you just said because this is so important. You know you'll see that certain organizations will put out polling data that shows oh Americans don't want to overturn Roe versus Wade, which is true. When you poll Americans and you ask them oh would you overturn Roe versus Wade, most people wouldn't. But that's a terrible question. The real the question is What would you do about abortion in America? Would you restrict it? And when you start asking the real questions mm-hmm. about Abortion, when you start going deep, and we saw this in a recent Marist in Knights of Columbus poll, 75% of the country, including pro-choice people, would restrict abortion at three months. So when you start to get deeper on the issue, and you know, it's just it's really interesting, you start to see that even those who would label themselves pro-choice, even those who fall in the categories you just mentioned, that the majority of those people would never want to see late-term abortion, would never even want to see abortion past three months. So then you start to have a real conversation conversation with people I think uh, and that's what needs to happen there has to be a realization get past all of this language that is used to dumb us down it's language that's used to manipulate what's really going on and really confront what's happening and then and then have the conversations and, it, because it's also been
2: largely theoretical and political you know exactly this is maybe the only issue where the activism got out ahead of the cultural <laughs> argument. Okay. And, you know, the old uh, Margaret that- Thatcher axiom first you win the debate and then you win the vote. Okay. We have been trying, you know, I'm 45. I don't know how old you are. I mean, I, I'm 45. I'm not too far behind. Not you. too far behind. My mom literally found out she was pregnant with me weeks before Roe v. Wade at 14. Okay. So wow. I'm part of that pro, you know, first post abortive generation. And all of my life, when I would have considered myself a pro choice Republican, before I had a Christian conversion and now into, you know, um to me, pro-life is not an issue. It's a window into an individual soul, you know, most of that transition that I've made similar to what we see on screen with Abby in her own life has largely, though, in my in my neck of the woods has been largely theoretical as opposed to the, what her own experiences are. This is one of the few issues where the political activists tried to get out in front uh, from a policy and activist standpoint ahead of where most of the cultural conversation was. This movie, therefore, is going to show people, including a lot of pro-life activists, I believe, you're going to see what abortion really is and what the in, what the industry of abortion really is for likely the very first time. Think about that. This has been a hot button culture war number one issue in America for 40. 40- six years most americans lifetimes most americans times of 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 being aware and knowledgeable politically there's been an abortion debate the only time a a sitting president has ever written a book in office was reagan when he wrote a book and it was about abortion and the conscience of a nation so this book has been front and center in our lives all of our lives and really Right now with this movie, most of us are being confronted with what it is we've been debating and what the industry around what we've been debating really is for the first time. I think that tactically maybe more than anything else is why this is still going on 46 years later, Billy.
3: Well, and you know, you and I have talked about this. I wrote a book called Fault Line that talks about bias in Hollywood and media. You know, Hollywood has been very good and rightfully so. If you have a viewpoint and you want to use art to express it, they've been very good. At expressing their viewpoint, and I think Christians, for too long, we had retreated. We had backed away. We were not present, and now Christians are very present in Hollywood, and it's continuing to increase. And what you're seeing is the same type of thing where there is a worldview, and there's a communication that is happening um, in the arts to express something. And I, I honestly think that we've seen a lot of this over the years, but this is a big example, probably one of the biggest and the easiest to point to, where we're actually seeing that worldview be illustrated visually, because that is impactful. We Again, we know Hollywood has been very successful at moving cultural tides through the arts, and so I would encourage all of us, I think we need to be doing more of this. We need to be present, and we need to do it in a good way, with good quality, and that's what this film does.
2: One last question along those lines. Then I want to talk about uh, the movie you guys have coming out here soon about Columbine that I know you're personally involved in producing. I, I tweeted out yesterday that in response to the trail being blazed, uh, no pun intended, uh, but in response to the trail being blazed by Unplanned, I know for a fact, and you probably know it even better than me working at Pure Flicks, but I know for a fact there are, a, there are several major stars. Names, everyone in our audience would know who are pro-life and have kept it quiet for fear of career backlash that now may be the time to come out of the closet. So to speak, with the trail that is being blazed by this film where even the Hollywood reporter is defending the film against Twitter saying, Hey, we don't do blacklists in Hollywood. We're kind of against those. Okay. Historically um, maybe now's the time for a couple of those major stars that we know for a fact are pro-life to come out and say, you know, uh, Hey, we're pro-life too you know and uh, and we want to yeah. help give this movie another another uh, layer of rocket fuel to communicate this message as powerfully as it does because the movie does it outside of political activism which i think only adds to its impact it forces you to confront abby johnson's story one on one outside of theoretical political talking points
3: and it presents characters very fairly. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're being honest, when you watch this movie, uh, there's – and you see it in the trailer, I believe, the guy yelling, you know, baby killer. you know, you see, So you see these different personalities that you know exist in real life in some of these protests where you might say, oh, that's not the way to go about it, right? Uh, so there's this honesty in how it's it's presented. To your point, now is the time to speak up. I think the only person that I can think of off the top of my head in Hollywood who really is vocal – um, would be Patricia Heaton, somebody mm-hmm. who's you know had this A-list career. She's very vocal and always has been, and I'm sure it doesn't always help her her cause. But, but yeah, we need people to, to speak out on this and to have the conversation. It doesn't need to be this attacking fight. It needs to be, hey, you're pro-choice. You consider yourself pro-choice. Let's sit down, watch this film. Let's talk about it. What did you see? And I think once you see that, you, you then have a responsibility as a human being to say, what does this say about me not to be stirred by it, not to be moved by it, not to have some sort of reaction where I say, ugh, you know, there's something wrong here. And so got to have the conversation. All right, before we let you go, uh, after
2: Columbine, faith, forgiveness, and hope 20 years after the tragedy. It'll be 20 years this month uh, of what at the time was the worst mass shooting uh, in American history at Columbine. You're involved along with Pure Flix in in taking a look at how faith has come into this community and, and those that were caught up in this tragedy and to give them some unity, some healing. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, After Columbine um, is a three-part series uh, that will premiere Friday night uh, and it premieres at 7.30 on Facebook Watch. Um, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday there'll be an episode every night as part of a three-day event. This revisits the survivors of Columbine um, and it really focuses in on what did they do after? How did they how did they move forward? And we have 20 years now of their history to look at, um, but really just diving deep into literally what happened that day. What did they go through? And we have the daughters of dave sanders we have connie sanders um dave sanders was a teacher who died at columbine he was a hero taking us through his story but the the real arc here is to look at how faith hope and forgiveness shape us how do we move through something that horrific and we live obviously in a culture where these events continue to happen and columbine is the one we all look at because it was the first one that shocked us but this is a real eye-opening um series and again it's going to be on facebook watch you can go to facebook.com slash PureFlix to watch it, but it's also going to be on the PureFlix.com platform in front of the paywall so anybody can watch it. We really want people to see this series. Uh, We spent about a day and a half in Littleton uh, last year collecting these interviews, working with um, some of the family's first responders, people who were there that day, to get the full story. And I think there's some things there that people will discover that they didn't know, um, that they didn't hear. And our hope is that people walk away as strange as this might sound, but but inspired that these people carried on, moved forward, mm. and are doing some pretty amazing things to help others.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to watching. I got the screener uh, in my inbox, and we'll be sharing the links with our audience here on the show as well. Billy Hallowell over at Pure Flix. Always good to see you, brother. Thanks for joining us again here on The Blaze. Thanks for having me. Take care. Hey, if you're thinking of replacing your uh, carpets uh, this spring, that's a major purchase. Before you do it, give Genesis 950 a try. Uh, It's an amazing pet stain and odor remover, because let's face it, that's the number one reason most people end up having to change out their carpets. Uh, Genesis 950 breaks down those bonds of stains and odors, so they're gone for good. It even has an antibacterial component, so it doesn't just remove the stains and odors from the carpet, but also down into the padding, too. And it can be used in carpet cleaning machines, and it's green energy safe. Uh, So that makes it safe for your families and pets. And you can even use this to clean your entire house as well. Uh, Bathrooms, kitchens, countertops, granite, quartz, uh, garage floors, oil and grease stains, uh, wheels, tools, upholstery. So, you know, before, though, you make that major carpet purchase... you. Shell out the bank for that. You've got to give Genesis 950 a try, all right? You can order a gallon of Genesis 950 direct at genesis950.com. That's genesis950.com. You'll receive a free spray bottle uh, and a discount on your purchase as well if you use code blaze. When you go to the website, genesis950.com, genesis950.com, code blaze. And again, the uh, the series uh, we mentioned after Columbine, Billy uh, Hallowell at PureFlix was involved in helping to produce. We're gonna we'll, we'll share that on our social media as well. Twenty years later, faith, forgiveness, and hope. Looking back on one of the worst, one of the worst days I've experienced as an American that I was not directly involved in. Uh, you guys have any thoughts before we get out of here, uh, with Hour One on the conversation we just had with Billy Hallowell. What's out to you, Aaron?
1: Yeah, just underscoring a a, a thing that a a portion, a couple of angles to unplanned uh, that we discussed. One is the believability, and I think honesty is is the right word for how certain characters are portrayed in the movie. Even if you don't really like how the dialogue is written, at least the honesty there is an honesty there um, for better or worse about both sides of the issue. And the other thing is for anybody pro-life your whole life or pro-choice if you are not moved especially in that first scene the abortion scene Mm -hmm. uh, you should be hour two coming up your way on the blaze keep it tuned right here
2: We're back with hour two live and on demand on the Blaze. I am Steve Dace, and you are you. Let us know who you are via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled for those of you listening on Blaze Radio or via the podcast today. It is D E A C E. You know, we were just talking to Billy Hallowell at uh, PureFlix about what to Twitter tried to do to the unplanned account this weekend. Uh, you had several media entities turn down money uh, for advertising uh, for the movie. Uh, I know that the filmmakers actually, in order to try to create a dialogue with uh, the other side of the debate and to show that they were not really out, they're, ad, they're pro-life advocates, but they were not trying to propagandize or straw men uh, the other side of the argument. I know they went to Huffington Post and offered to buy advertising uh, for the film there and encourage uh, pro-choicers to come and see the film. They are willing to buy advertising. Huffington Post, no response, no reaction to multiple requests. So, I mean, they were literally trying to give money away, guys.
0: Well, when you were... Talking with Billy, man, I, I, I got to thinking how you said that the target is really for pro choice, and it was powerful for me. I can only think how powerful this might have been yeah. for me if I was ambivalent about the pro choice move, uh, the pro life movement. Um, it's such an eye opener. Well, and, and that just goes to show the other side is corporately
2: weaponizing their beliefs on a more obvious and confrontational level. So we can just sit here and take it or we can respond in kind. Um, And if you want to respond in kind, you know, one area where you can start all of us nowadays have to have a mobile phone. We can't, you almost can't live in today's world without one. And this is why Patriot Mobile was created uh, to give you a choice uh, to have you have uh, the money that you pay for your mobile phone, your cell phone service go to causes that you believe in. Patriot Mobile is a veteran laid uh, veteran-led company uh, and it was the foundation was laid by veterans as well. I think the guy that started this served in both Iraq wars as well as Afghanistan. It's America's only conservative cell phone company. Uh, every every phone call protects your constitutional rights every bill fights for your freedom because they all all these companies essentially have the same network nowadays there's really only three or four networks so the, the the difference in coverage you get from one to the other on a on a corporate scale across the country is minimal maybe where you live individually some networks are better than others that's the case but across the country it's pretty much the same everywhere you go so the one difference would be, what they do with your money once you spend it with them. That's where Patriot Mobile comes in. Give them a call. 1 800 a patriot is the number. 1 800 a patriot. If you use the code Blaze when you call in, if you tell them that, then um, you, you can get your, your activation fee waived. All right. 1 800, the uh has to be in there though. 1 800 a patriot, or to make it even simpler, patriotmobile.com slash Blaze. Patriotmobile.com slash place so today's truth bomb uh we did a video uh that we shared with you guys about this uh, a few weeks ago march 12th it was and we looked at our facebook page are we really being shadow banned and there it is today's truth bomb brought to you by my new book truth bombs I almost forgot the self-promotion part before i got to the other self-promotion part. Uh,
0: so much self-promotion it's hard to keep it all sorted out <laughs> that
2: uh, tr- truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise so you can pick up your copy wherever Kamala Harris's books are sold uh, or you can just go directly to amazon.com skip past her type in my name and the book will come up if you've not uh, or if you've not yet left us a five star review if you've read the book and you like it if you'd be willing to do that on our Amazon page we would appreciate that as well so back on March 12th we did a video because, you know, I've done all this complaining for the last couple of years about our Facebook page. It just doesn't seem to grow no matter what we do. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that our platform and everything we're doing is growing everywhere else. Except this one entity that 80% of Americans have access to. And,
0: and to be clear, it's not It's not a matter of it not growing as much as you'd like it to. It's just not It's not growing, growing at all.
2: And so we did this video back on March the 12th. And we even put it up on Facebook just to essentially dare them with it, all right? And and we laid out like all these numbers going back,
1: what was it, two years? As far back as I think
2: yeah, we could. Yeah, as far back. Facebook lets you go back, I think it's 24 months or 18 months. So back into the fall or spring of 2017. And, and to show our platform is, is greatly expanded. And yet the number one social media platform, which is Facebook, our, our presence on it hasn't expanded while it expands on every other social media platform. And we laid out all these numbers. They don't make any sense. Our conclusion may not be true. We may not be getting shadow banned. That is true. It may not be that. I just don't know what other conclusion explains all of the data we shared in that video back on March the 12th, okay? So today I decided to find out what are the latest numbers we have on Facebook for likes. Okay? Facebook on March 12th claimed we had 106,411 likes. Right? That's what it claimed we had on March the 12th? Correct?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no. That's what it claims that's we have it, today. That's what it, right, it the, shows you have today. Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, that's, and that's where I'm... So
1: <laughs> yeah, there's another, so much there's another layer to this. Yeah, so much shadow onion.
2: banning, it's hard to keep it all straight, to yeah. paraphrase what Todd just said about my levels of self-promotion. All right, so today, Facebook claimed when I checked as the admin today. It told me I had 106,411 likes when I signed in as the admin to our page under my native Facebook account, which means our Facebook account has only added 119 likes since March 12th. Since March 12th, we put out a video on Facebook that has over a million views, correct? This is the interview we did with Ashley Bratcher. (laughs) Correct? So we... (laughs) Guys, I don't have a Facebook presence capable of producing a million views with my own following. I have 106,000. Well, let me rephrase that. Based on what Facebook is telling me I have, I don't have a presence capable of producing a video with a million views. Is that fair to say? Okay. Well, Well, what about Unplanned? It's a big movie. Unplanned's current Facebook likes is 112,000. That's after it got all this publicity f- from its release. That today, Facebook says Unplanned's official account, which did share the video, has 112 thousand. So between what Facebook is telling both me and Unplanned, our presence on its platform is we alone don't have anywhere close to the capacity to combine our forces, marshal them together, share them with our respective audiences, and produce with our combined efforts a video that would get over a million views think that's fair to say yeah yeah which means either facebook is lying to one or both of us about how many likes we actually have a, have acquired or if it's not lying to us then hundreds of thousands of people who don't belong to either one of our facebook pages have watched this video is that just true then
1: stumbled upon
2: it just yes which then also means Almost none of them, after watching the video, clicked like on my Facebook page, which is... which Where would they find said video? It is based where? On the page? They're not liking. What can... Is there another explanation? Let me stop. I is think, there another explanation, Todd?
0: Uh, uh, you had me at hello, so... You- you didn't need to keep even on going with this it is shadow banning well let's add one more piece of evidence and we now present
2: exhibit A for Aaron Aaron you have a piece of evidence Uh, you'd like to offer so when did you check this this morning Steve literally five minutes before I emailed you the number Yes. so that
1: would have been 8.41
2: no. 8.41 is when I emailed, or uh, uh, that's when 8.25 I, is when I emailed you, 8.25 so Central. I
1: checked it 16 minutes later, according to my, my receipt here. Yeah, 16, I'm not good at maths. Yeah, 16 minutes. Under
2: your native A- 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 o- or Facebook uh, account under my native, as an admin. As an
1: admin, mm-hmm. uh, you said you said it had 106,411 likes. Uh, I checked it 16 minutes later, and I saw 106,487 likes. Which is a difference of what you know, uh, seventy six. So we added um,
2: seventy six in sixteen
1: minutes, but yeah, only one hundred nineteen since uh, March twelfth. Yeah, but only like three hundred in the last three years. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense,
2: now, guys. Now uh,
1: let's 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 cut some. You know, let's just give Facebook the benefit of the doubt here. I'm not on t- on camera right now because I'm doing this live in real time. Steve Day Show is our Facebook watch page. How many likes have we added in the last week? Since we, we had a 2.2 million post we reach in the last week, since we did that Ashley Bratcher interview, mm-hmm. uh, we have added 296 likes to the Facebook Watch page. So,
2: a video that produced over a million views netted netted 296 yeah.
1: likes. Yeah, almost what? 300 likes. They are being they are being that really seem that seem a little sketch. Yeah,
2: that seemed kind of sketch to you. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: that's not even one percent, guys. It's not even one percent of the views, because one percent would be what ten thousand? Would that be yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is you know I have a natural disdain for conspiracy theories. I, I I don't want to immediately glom onto one, you know, because it's my own narrative. On the other hand, you know I I, I can't ignore a series of unfortunate events either, Mister Snicket. All right, it's Todd. Is there some other rational explanation of this that we we I'm not for saying that's not nearly as obvious or sinister?
0: No, and in fact uh, their social media cousin is pretty much telling you what they're up to. You know when they decide we talked about this about a month ago when they said, you know, you won't know anymore if the, if you're getting ratioed mm-hmm. because they're going to take away the the numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean they they're telling you That they are doing, you know, mind control with all of this. That the real data, the hey, the science is not good enough, Steve. They're they're just telling you that because Mm -hmm. that—that's what this is. This this should be just bean counting. I mean, this is what computers were originally designed to do. The most fundamental thing they they have the internet on computers now. They do, yeah, guys. And so, this number that should be the most easy thing a computer can keep track of so to your point the fact that it can't and won't objectively tells me that
1: you are being screwed with we are all in bandersnatch now (laughs) Gosh, is that that's the choose your own adventure (laughs) i know but
0: that's is this made a big enough impact on you that this is going to be a recurring i haven't seen it i just need to know if i need to watch it so i can keep uh, up it,
2: it just occurred to me by the way you're probably not the one to ask if there's an alternative theory here because you and i are from the same generation right i mean the social media world is was we was a stage of evolution from the online generation after us right yeah. okay this is his natural habitat, right? For your generation, Aaron, you yep. you don't know an internet without social media, correct? Yep. You don't know I mean you don't know what a dial up modem sounds like. I do. I do that, but yeah. just barely. All right. So this is your natural habitat. Yeah. Is a, is is the social media and the and the internet are of, of one hive mind to you? So let me ask you then, and it's okay if the if the if, the, if there because to me it would be better if there's something we're doing wrong. I'd love that to be the answer because yeah. I can fix See, it and we can do it right. Is there another explanation?
1: Here's the thing. Um, there are There's an entire industry uh, called search engine optimization. Uh, and it's, SEOs. SEOs, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, uh, it's an entire industry built around search engine optimization, except it is it is akin to – Because none of these big tech companies want to release their proprietary algorithm because that's their property and that's how they make the money. But that's also how they can if they want to suppress content that they don't believe fits their community standards or their – uh, messages that they think they that need to be out there. Um, so it's a double-edged sword. Yes, it's their proprietary uh, property. Um, so they shouldn't be, you know, be forced to uh, just give that up after they spent years on that. But it's also how they uh, get away with being both a publisher and the platform at the same time. Um, so that is why there's an entire industry built around search engine optimization. Almost none of this is built on scientific foundations at all. It's basically we are we are doing mysticism right here. We are doing uh, social media and internet mysticism. We found out something that works if we mm-hmm. uh, combine this powder with uh, burdock root, and if we uh, take Alaskan ginseng and we put it in, uh, combine it with you know uh, Indian tobacco, we get this result, and that works. <laughs> last week, and uh, now next week it's going to be you know next right? week it's going to be uh, you know bat wing of toad or something like that. Um, that's, that's the way this all is because we don't know the algorithm. And so all we have, and this is all we're going to ever have until Facebook decides and Twitter and big tech decide whether they want to be publishers or platforms. All we have right now is a bunch, a bunch of anecdotal evidence and a bunch of theories. And we can't test them because we have no basis on which to test them. That's where we live. That's where we are right now, and we can't prove otherwise until um you know, a force that is actually capable of making these companies divulge what they really are and makes them do that. I think i I need to inform the audience
2: why this is a big deal to me. And I'm a guy, so I have an ego. So let's not pretend that that's not part of it, you know, but there's also a far more fundamental aspect of this too. Um, This determines my worth in the marketplace, or at least it's one of the main mechanisms that determines my worth and therefore whether you guys get employed and whether you get to continue to watch this or not. And- that's why I've tried to supply as much data and then the context of the data, who I was working with and for at the time we had these numbers. With the size of those platforms and why that matters is my ability to drive, how big was my ability to drive new people to to Facebook based on the size of that platform compared to what it is now? And even if we just took, let's forget that we ever did that other video for a second. Does it make sense to any of you that, you know, because one of the things they say to do, create a viral moment. Create something that goes viral, right? It's producing a video over a hit movie that gets over a million views on Facebook. Would that be the, uh, the definition of a viral moment? Yeah. At least yeah. approaching yeah. it, yeah. 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 We produced a viral moment. We got literally no residual impact from it at all. Facebook is literally saying that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people that, that engaged our viral moment gave us no no residual on that at all we we got no benefit none whatsoever so how do i have no growing following so i have no growing following to produce a viral moment just based on my own ability which means i had to get outside because that that's what on one hand facebook is telling me i have a static following So I can't produce a mass viral moment on the basis of my own following. I'm not Ben Shapiro, for example, or Glenn Beck or Mark Levin. I can't just put anything out there and a half million people are going to watch it because my name's on it. I can't do that. I don't have a following like that, according to Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Therefore, for me to produce something that that has that many views means I have to go substantially outside of the following Facebook says I have. Right? Right. So... Once that occurs, should not then some of those people, therefore, have migrated to the source of what caught their attention. Isn't that how this works?
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. Why
2: didn't it work? And, you know, this is the only industry in the world that I know of in a free society where you don't really truly know what your audience is and you, you can't really yep. be told. Like even in, I'll just tell you as a book publisher, as a book author, the New York Times, uh, their bestseller list is proprietary as a formula as well. Amazon's formula is proprietary as well. So you may not, you may, you may never know why, why you're ranked, what you're ranked there. Okay. But you, but anybody in this business can go to BookScan and find out how many times this little symbol here at the end of the, the back on the back of the book, how many times that was scanned. All right? Now, the New York Times may decide because you're a conservative book, they don't want to count those symbols and not put you on their list. We've had cases in recent years, Ted Cruz's book, there were a couple of other books where BookScan, uh, Clay Travis had this issue where BookScan was telling them, hey, I sold 10,000 books last week. How in the world is that not on the wall? And then they had to like, the next week, they they mysteriously f- put their way on there, right? Like they can do that with their formulas, but they can't alter the actual amount of sales. Does that make sense? Yeah. We all know how many books everybody sold. We all know. We can all go and find out. We can't truly know how many people are watching this. We may truly know how many people might have subscribed to it directly through the blaze. But once we, but once we take anything from this show outside of a specific paywall between you and the other party that's a direct transactional process, all those other numbers are now at the whim of the people hosting those elements which means Google Facebook Twitter right mm-hmm. yep and even iTunes does anybody know for sure what iTunes methodology is no we don't know because we we aren't even ranked a top 200 podcast on yeah. iTunes and yet we added oh. 200 reviews in a week and we are ranked well below we're not we're we're rank, there are podcasts in the top 50 that have been on the air for years longer than us that don't have a half of the rev- the, yeah. the listener
1: reviews we do. Yeah. Explain that. Our, our number two, our number two, and we. I think we need to explain why this matters to our audience uh, in a little bit as well, if that's okay with you as well, because I think it, it does. It really does. But uh, I mean, number two, our number two podcast platform by a shot behind iTunes and iOS devices is Stitcher, and it's by a long shot. That's our number two platform by which our content is um, is is streamed. Podcast content is streamed. Stitcher is a huge platform. It's not as big as iTunes at all. We are consistently in the top fifty to sixty in Stitcher. That is um, again our number two source uh, on a smaller platform of how our podcast is consumed mm-hmm. is on Stitcher, and yet we're in the top one hundred. And that we can't. We're not anywhere to be found on iTunes. I don't don't understand it at all.
2: Here's why this matters to you guys. Because one of the things you say about our show that you find unique is our willingness to see everything as best we can through the lens of a biblical worldview. And you like that and you want to see that there's a market for that. Well, if you buy into the fact that our show is a little bit different and is more of a trailblazer. We're blanched to a bois here. we We're trying to get by on the kindness of strangers. We're relying on a whole bunch of pagan progressive companies to provide analytics that show that um, whether or not objectively, you can make money doing a show the way you we are doing it, that you guys that are watching and listening to us, like, you know, and if 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 we can't count on them to tell us the truth, you know, no one's gonna believe. 200,000 people downloaded our episode today just because we said so. Who are they going to go to to verify that? When our salespeople go to advertisers and say, hey, if we do your live read, this many people are going to hear it. And, and and the ability for them to document that determines a couple of things, A, whether they get them to buy it at all, and then B, how much they get to charge them for me reading their ad. Where is the data? Where are we getting the data from to determine what our market viability is? It's not from a self-contained process. It relies on who, Todd?
0: The yes, social media outlets. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It relies, run by pagans and progressives, are determining what our market value is in a free society. I know of no other fiduciary relationship in any industry that is similar to that. In the free world. I can't think of one. That's why you should care.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing is as well, uh, why you should care with – the ubiquity of all things, the Internet of Things, where which is, you know, your shoes are online now. Uh, you know, that's an exaggeration. With everything that's online and the number of platforms, platforms and publishers that there are online, the other reason why this should matter to you is. If you like your dystopia, you can t- keep your dystopia. <laughs> that's that's Ooh. what this – I mean the amount of power that these companies – and this, again, I feel like I should put on – the way that – the words coming out of my mouth sound like I should be wearing a tinfoil hat right now. But the amount of power that these companies have. Google. How much, how many things do Google – does Google run? They run my email uh, that I use for the show. They run uh, uh, all – a bunch of subscriptions that I you know they have a, they're a huge company Amazon web services anything that google doesn't run i can almost bet it's run by amazon mm-hmm. web services and then there's facebook and twitter as well the amount of power that these companies have in an increasingly digital and digitized world where everything and everybody is online that should be concerning to Bec- everybody. because
2: here's the thing they can hurt guys like glenn and mark but they're so well established that they can't they can't drive them out they can they can make it harder for them, but those guys they're so well established that they can't they can't drive them out. What they can do though is make it that you don't have a new generation of Glenn and Marks. That's what they can do. They can take they can take people that are in that next ring that next that next neighborhood where we where we live that are being that are in a position to be the next generation's variation of that. And they can make it exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, for you to ever build. A platform that shows that you are worthy of that because then what they want to say is and see that's why iHeart, Cumulus, pick another platform anywhere, should not should not continue on in this line of work providing monetizable conservative content because it's no longer popular. It's no longer monetizable. It can't be you can't profit off of, of, of finding the next Rush Limbaugh, putting them on 300 radio stations or the next Mark Levin, Glenn Beck. There's no way you can make money doing that. We have all the we've got all the numbers Todd that proves it and says so
0: well and you can talk about proprietary rights all you want to but you know what you don't have a proprietary right to lying that's called fraud all right and, and you Steve, what do we do and we've all heard these stories when a uh you know some he's a ne'er-do-well some short order cook or something is found to be spitting in your food or something like that what do we do we arrest them Tw- facebook and twitter are spitting in your food man mm-hmm they should be prosecuted for it taking ultimately. food off your table yeah they should be prosecuted for it they're stealing this is theft
2: if you are thinking of buying or selling a home this year you know we're talking about who can you trust let's talk about that in another context you know um this is one of the most stressful times you'll ever have in your life particularly if you're selling on one end and buying on the other and trying to make all those timetables and everything else match up. I've been through that too. Uh, that's why you need a real estate agent you can trust. Uh, Glenn Beck and his associates started this company. Real estate agents I trust a few years ago because they were tired of agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the promised and desired results when it mattered the most. And what sets real estate agents I trust apart from other referral services is, you know, those are largely done as advocates for the agents. You know, there's one done by the National Association of Realtors, for example, and and so they're going to make sure you know that their agents have clients. Uh, In this case, this is about you, the client, making sure you've got the right and the trustworthy agent working for you. All right, these are agents that have been vetted, they have been held accountable, they're transparent, uh, and they've they've met the muster. Uh, to be included among the real estate agents you can trust. So if you are looking uh, to buy and or sell your home for fast and at the right price, check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's com. So this is going to segue to uh, what we're going to do for Theology Thursday today. And we're going to start a three-part series uh, leading up to Easter. And part one here today, we're going to look at where we are at culturally sort of set the scene. And we're going to do it with a story that is very familiar to many of you, whether you are a church-going person, whether you're a religious person, whether you're uh, an Old Old Testament only or an Old and New Testament person. This is a story that is well known, that has transcendent appeal. And it's the story of the woman caught in adultery that is brought to Christ in John chapter 8. There are several different players in this story. And I, I think that the danger we face with the culture hurling towards um, the era that we are either on the brink of or already in is we, we're, we, we can be placed to be all of the people. All of the characters in this story we can be. And that's the vantage point that I want us to look at and discuss this story from John chapter 8 uh, of the adulterous woman, because it is, I think, a snapshot of the time and era in which we live and or are heading into as we speak. And we'll get that started when we return next. Live and on demand on the blaze. Stay tuned. <music> Hey, if you missed it earlier, let me give you one last reminder here because you you may seem skeptical. Is this really happening? You know, we told you the story about the the family in suburban Philly who kept getting up and seeing for sale signs in their yard uh, because a guy in North Carolina was trying to steal their home title from them. And you know, we mentioned earlier as well, the report from the Manhattan DA's office uh, at the end of 2018, uh, they had received 2,000 complaints of deed fraud there. And the vast majority of them dealt with uh, t- people attempting to forge a, n- a notary public signature, forge their way on to the home title. Protect the most valuable investment study show most Americans will have is their own home, particularly the equity in that home. Uh, and you can protect it for pennies a day with our friends at home title lock. They will put a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage so scammers cannot take advantage of you. They, they can't take out a HELOC or liquidate the equity and then stick you with the payments on a home line of credit or even put the home up for sale for that matter. And if you want to prevent this from happening to you, just go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Uh, You can get a free title scan and report. Find out if your home's title's already been targeted, compromised, et cetera. Normally, that's a $100 value. It's free for our audience today at The Blaze. HomeTitleLock.com. You got nothing to lose by just making sure your home is secure. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. So let's get to Theology Thursday. We're going to begin a three-week series leading up to Easter. And this week, we're going to kind of set the scene of what's happening culturally at this time. Um, and we're going to go to a story uh, from John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8, I think, has a, a really good snapshot of all the players that that we are watching on the stage known as the American zeitgeist at the moment. Let's set the scene because one of the things we talk about on our show is text without context is pretext. So John chapter eight is part of a series of uh, chapters that take place around two major uh, Jewish festivals. All right. And so the first one, uh, and this is is what's going on in the middle of John chapter eight, is the festival of tabernacles or shelters or tents. Okay. Um, And... And, you know, Jesus says several provocative things during this time that to us in a modern Western mindset seem odd or we think they are poetic license. They are uh, poetic mo- metaphors. When he, these, these are things that a first century Jewish audience would have understand. These are not poetic metaphors. They are direct metaphors. He is directly applying himself metaphorically to rituals, to rites, to sacraments that are a part of our everyday lives uh, as Jews. You know, for example, when he stands up and says, in in these chapters surrounding this moment, uh, he stands up and says, hey, uh, I am, you know, anybody who comes to me, I am life-giving water. Anybody who comes to me will never thirst, he is he is saying this because um, as a metaphor for one of the rituals that that was involved in the feast of tabernacles, uh, in terms of priests pouring out water, there was a whole ritual surrounding this. This wasn't just, you know, he's he's a poet and he doesn't even know it okay this, this there's this has a specific purpose after this story of the woman the adulterous woman Jesus proclaims himself the light of the world this is in response to another ritual that went on during the Feast of Tabernacles called the illumination I believe is what it was called when they would light up uh, they would light up the temple in the darkness of night to point out that you know the Jewish people were meant to be a light to other nations okay and the temple the house of God was the source of of that light within their nation. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. We're going beyond borders now. We're going to take this message to the end of the earth. God's going to reveal himself now to his people to the ends of the earth. And what the next chapter skips a few months and, uh, after this story and goes to, um, I, if you look at the chronology of John, it's actually at the end of Jesus' public ministry. We, we go forward now uh, to the Feast of Dedication. We know it today as Hanukkah. And this is where Jesus gives his last public message, if you look at the chronology of the Gospel of John. So we're, we're the timing of this, too, kind of, things are starting to come to a head now. The confrontation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders and the culture is coming to a head, very similar to, I think, the confrontation that we are having culturally in our time. It's coming to a head, I believe, as well. And at one of these moments, there's a gotcha moment and one of the most famous gotcha moments in all of the Bible. Almost everyone knows something about this story, whether they're religious or not. Verse two, early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her, or let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. There are phrases and expressions all of us know from this story. Again, whether we've ever been to a Sunday school, believe any of it is true or not. This is a transcendent moment. This is where this is one of the moments where Christianity is a crossover hit. It's not just on the you know the gospel charts. All right, it, 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 this one this one hit the Billboard Hot 100. This story does. Okay, there's several things at play here, and and I think we have to be careful that we can be characters in in this story. All of them, and some of them we want to be, and some of them we don't. In, in this application, the culture in which we live are the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, if you know the hermeneutic here, so they catch this woman in adultery. How would they catch someone in adultery? How would they do that? How would they do that? Did they, they, did they look her up on Google Earth? Did they go through her uh, search history? Is there a third-party way they would have caught her in adultery in the first century? No. To catch her in adultery meant they caught her doing what? What did they catch her doing? Committing adultery. For them to catch her committing adultery would mean one of two things has to be true. One of them is the adulterers. Or good Jewish boys were caught looking at something that the law told them they should not be looking at. This is not a passive exercise for them to catch her. It doesn't say suspected, and if you look at the word origin here, it means they caught her in the act of adultery. That's why the ESV's literal word-for-word translation here had been caught in adultery. She's guilty. She's guilty, yeah. It's not debatable, okay? So number one, look at the links they're willing to go to. Look at how much they're willing to sully their own characters to expose themselves to cultural rot gut in order to produce this moment. This is a form of entrapment. Sound familiar? Then they say, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. That is not what Moses commanded, actually. Actually. Or at least it's not the fullness of what Moses commanded. Is adultery a singular act? Can you commit adultery? I mean, you, you, in a way, let me rephrase that. Can you commit the act of adultery? Does Jesus say in the New Testament to even look with another woman upon lust is effectively an, an act of adultery? The But the actual act of adultery, is it a singular act? No. No. It requires what? two to tango two to tango Deuteronomy written by who wrote Deuteronomy who wrote that who wrote that by the way good job okay who wrote Deuteronomy guys who wrote it Moses Moses Moses' words Deuteronomy 22 if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband then both of them shall die this is what Moses said then both of them shall die the man that lays with the woman and the woman, then both of them shall die. That is what Moses That is what Moses said. Moses says in Leviticus, by the way, he further clarifies the act of stoning of adultery only concerns women that are betrothed virgins. Just a bit outside. This is not what Moses said. They've taken it totally out of context. You know, do you see this today? Well, Steve, my favorite above earth, it um, does not that she be judged, you know, I mean, Sound familiar to you at all? They're not quoting Moses. They're making Moses say what they want Moses to say. So where's the dude she was doing this with? Where's he at? Anybody know? Got anything? We don't know. Interesting. Omission, don't you think? So right away, we can see, based on their actions, is their motivation here really to uphold the letter? Of the Mosaic Law. Does that seem to you based on the first cursory analysis of these events? Does it seem that that's really, really what they're really concerned about? It's
1: more like burn the witch. That's right.
2: So here's the thing we have to be aware of. When a culture is this far gone, or an element within the culture is this far gone. And it has power within a culture, hegemony within a culture. It doesn't care what the truth is. In fact, it's trying to convict the truth because the gospel of John begins with the words, in the beginning was the word. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Who is the word? Jesus. Jesus says elsewhere in the Gospel of John to Pontius Pilate, For this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus is the truth. If you're his people, you are people of truth. You're a threat to a base, the power base of those who don't want the truth in the culture. And they're going to do stuff like this to you all of the time. Are you prepared for it? Are you prepared to answer it? Do you know what it, do you, how, have you ever heard the context of what she was accused of? You ever been in a church sermon where they explain this to you before at your church? Or they just go to the whole touchy feely aspect of the, of the ending of the story. Did they ever teach you what was in the law? You ever seen the cross references? You ever been in a church that showed this to you? No, might be in the wrong church would be my first suggestion. Because it's really important to know the context of what's happening here. Otherwise, without the context, you really don't know the power of what has taken place. From the outset, this is a scam. From the very beginning. They're not just moral hypocrites, guys. They're not just bony finger pointers. These are deconstructionists. These are iconoclasts. They're going to twist Moses' words. They're not even having an, they're not even Jewish, they're not even Jews who don't believe he's the Messiah having an honest conversation with him. They're twisting the words of what they even claim they believe. Any of this sound familiar at all? Academia? Newsrooms? They're not even honest brokers of their own belief system, they're hacks. He's a threat to their power. Now, here's the thing though. Is she guilty? Yeah. She's guilty. We have to be, you know, they didn't bring an innocent woman to him. They brought a guilty one. We have to be careful. We're not guilty too. And I'm talking about me as much as anybody else. We should strive and pray we're not the ones who blow ourselves up so they can use us against our Lord too. They can use us to entrap or try to or ensnare or condemn the truth too. If that doesn't give you cause for pause, you're in danger. See who we want to be here is our Lord. We are all in danger of being one of the characters in this story because it's not just the pagans taking God's word out of context to condemn us. We're doing it to ourselves. Aaron, how many complaints have you received about Harry Potter this week?
1: Um, more than I should.
2: And in the con- anybody and, should. And, and stack that up in the context of when people challenge some, want to challenge something we've talked about on a, highly, clearly defined level of orthodoxy, what would that be? Uh, it's, it
1: pales in comparison. It really the, does.
2: The, the reason why, other than we're good friends, but the other reason why Todd and I peacefully coexist here as Catholic and Protestant on the show is because when most of the time when you guys ask us to address the issues that are between us, you really don't ask us to actually address the issues really between us. You ask us to address your tribalistic secondary issues that just don't matter in the end. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah. We we, we did whole shows all of last year on the Reformation. We talked about the areas where we agreed and disagreed. How often do we get asked about those areas?
0: Well, almost never because almost I'm, never. Yeah. we haven't discussed them and we would have talked about them publicly if we did. How often are we asked instead about the most yeah. banal, vapid, tribalistic, partisan,
2: hackered, hackneyed caricatures of each side of the argument? How often are we asked about that by comparison?
1: Would you All think? the time. All and, the time. And to interject, even beyond Harry Potter, I've heard more and seen more. We should not watch Unplanned because, or we should be cautious about Unplanned because Abby Johnson is a Roman Catholic. Yes. You know who you are? Let me tell you who you are. I'll tell you.
2: Teacher. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. That's who you are. All of us can be the char- one of the characters in this story. Now, the character we should strive to be is our Lord. Well, Steve, that sounds like a pretty impossible standard. It is, which is why there's that cool thing where he comes to live in us and changes us from the inside out so we can be more like him. Because if he didn't do that, we couldn't We couldn't avoid being one of the two people in this story. And even with that force at work in our lives, the darkness within us is so powerful, we still yearn to be one of the other two characters in this story that are the not the people you want to be, But here he knows the context of that by which he's being challenged. He doesn't take the bait. He doesn't let them set the agenda. He doesn't get put on the defensive. He puts them on the defensive. And then he does something that is unique in all of human existence. At the same time, he articulates and affirms righteousness, and mercy simultaneously. These frauds are not here to condemn you. They have no standing to condemn you. They're total frauds. But that doesn't mean you now have a license to go and become a fraud yourself. So go. And sin no more. Don't Abuse the mercy you've been shown. See, we want to be this woman the second go-around in this story, not the first. Because her final words the second go-around. In fact, I'll just narrow it down to her final word. Lord. We want to be her the second time we hear from her in the story, not the first. And in The chances we won't be the time the the first time around are greatly, are greatly enhanced every time we're her the second time. He's Lord. John 317. This
0: is Steve Dace.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network.